Welcome to City Harvest Sermon Podcast. Coming up is a word from Pastor Kong Hee. Last night we saw example after example, example after example, that how God doesn't call the qualified, but God qualifies the call. And I told you that you need to realize one thing. God hardly ever called those who are really qualified. For example, if you never felt good enough, if you never felt smart enough or gifted enough or brave enough, then you are truly the perfect candidate for God to use you. But when God calls, tonight I want to take this to a second, a deeper level. When God calls, we must respond. And this is true even for the Lord Jesus Christ. At the age of 12 years old, Jesus loved the Word of God so much, He was able to have an intelligent conversation with people in the temple. He was hungry for the Word. He wanted to know more of His Heavenly Father. He loved the house of God, the presence of the Lord. His parents lost Him for three days, and when they found Him, He was not in an arcade. But Jesus Christ was in the temple, worshipping the Lord, loving the Word of God. One day, Jesus was reading Psalms chapter 40, and then he learned of his destiny. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. Behold, I have come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me to do your will, O God. He saw that in Psalm chapter 40. And Jesus, from that day, he said, Lord, Father, I'm going to give my body a living sacrifice. I am here to do your will. Right at that moment, Jesus learned to pray. Jesus would learn to fast. Jesus grew and became strong in the spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. So even for the Son of God, he realized one thing, God doesn't call the qualified. But when he calls, we must respond. So here's Jesus Christ, Matthew chapter 4. And Jesus was starting out his ministry. And the Bible says in verse 18, walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, and casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, here was Jesus now calling. And I believe even tonight, he's calling out for you and I. Jesus said to them, follow me. I'm going to make you so winners, fishers of men, world shakers, history makers. And they immediately left their nets and followed him. They responded. Jesus called Simon Peter and Andrew, and they responded. The next verse, going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, he called them. Again, the calling of God. He never calls the qualified. But immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. They immediately responded. So here is always the pattern. You find it all throughout the pages of the Holy Scripture. God issues a call. 
But when you hear the calling of God, when you hear God drawing you, you must make a choice. Lord Jesus, I'm going to follow you. There must be immediately from that point a change of your lifestyle, a change of your priorities. All of a sudden you say, God, I mean, it's great. It's good to be cool. It's good to, to, be, to, to really enjoy life to the fullest because God, you put us here, but I'm going to seek your kingdom first. There's going to be a change of my life's direction. We can't respond to Jesus Christ and still remain the same. Young people, old people, listen. And I know tonight I'm speaking to the youth primarily. But all you adults, listen carefully as well. We can't say, Jesus, I follow you and still remain the same. Look at Saul on his way to Damascus. Here he had an encounter with Jesus, right? Acts 9 verse 3, He journeyed, came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven, and he fell on the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Here was a most unqualified man. He was a persecutor of the church, a murderer of Christian. Come on. Surely God cannot use someone like that. But God never calls the qualified. He qualifies the call. So Saul saw the glory of God, heard the voice of the Lord. He fell under his, his presence, knocked off the, 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 the horse that he was riding in. He saw, he heard, he felt. He was now trembling. He was now shaking, just like many of you last night. You were trembling, you were shaking. You were having an encounter with God the way Saul was having an encounter. And he immediately responded. Two questions he asked. He said, who are you, Lord? That means, Jesus, I really want to know you. When God moves in our hearts, there's always a hunger to want more of Him. The greatest thing in all our lives it's knowing you. It's, it's being hungry for you. And that's what happened even when Jesus was a youth. Jesus was in the temple wanting to know more of God. Lord, who are you? Second question. Lord, what do you want me to do? In other words, from now on, I want to live my life serving you. I want to make every day, every hour, every minute, every second, every breath I take, every step I make, I want to live serving your purpose. And that was how he responded. And for the rest of his life, Saul became the great apostle Paul, the soul winner, the ultimate builder of the local church. So the grace of God, the salvation of God, the calling of God must naturally lead to a decision to consecrate ourselves to Jesus. And, and that is, that is I, I love all the songs about the grace of God, about how we were down and out, broken and wounded, and Jesus loved us, picked us up, and Jesus mend our broken hearts, and all those are great. But listen, young people, listen, all the youths of Emerge, 
The calling is God's part. Now the consecration is our part. And here is Paul, the preacher of the gospel of grace. And what did he say in Titus chapter 2 and verse 11? For the grace of God. Everybody say, grace of God. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. So the grace of God is powerful. And it's going to teach us, not just save us, but teach us to deny ungodliness. Worldly lust, we can be in the world and not of the world. We can be cooler than the coolest in the world because we have the creativity of God, but yet we don't share the values and the system of this world. The grace of God here, now listen, this same grace that saved us is going to help us live a righteous and godly life. Look at verse 13. Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, the grace of God is going to put the urgency of the hour in our hearts. Jesus Christ is coming back. It's only going to be a short moment in our lifetime. Maybe or in, in our children's lifetime, our grandchildren's lifetime. In the twinkling of an eye, you and I are going to stand before the throne of God. Jesus Christ is going to come back. We're going to see Him coming back in, in power and glory. So we must make our life count. Now, look what else the grace of God is going to, is going to transform us. First, it gives us the power to live a godly life, to give us an urgency of the hour so that we make our life count. And look at verse 14. Who gave Himself for us, that He might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for Himself His own special people, zealous for good works. So this grace, this amazing grace is going to redeem us, purify us, and make us zealous. Oh, hallelujah. And, and we, that means we must want all of it Calling is God's part. But consecration is a decision. You and I, young and old, seated on the floor, by the chairs, on the terraces, you and I got to make a decision. God will never force His will on any one of us. God says we must want to be holy, even as He is holy. God calls the weak, yes. He calls the broken. He calls the lost, the confused. But let the weak now decide to say, I am strong. I am strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Hallelujah. Oh, come on, give God a big hand. Oh, you want to clap tonight? Come on, let's give God a big clap. Because what does God want? God wants a special people of His own. City Harvest Church, you are a special people belonging to God called in this time, in this generation,
for a purpose unlike very few others. God has called you to take His revival all throughout Asia and to, and to see salvation in our time. God wants a special people purified for His holy use, zealous for good works. Oh, I love that. Zealous. That means like Jesus Christ. Like Jesus, because ultimately, we don't want to be like anyone else except to be like Jesus. If you love Jesus, shout, Jesus. Jesus. Who do you want to be like? Jesus. Who do you want to serve? Jesus. Who do you worship? Jesus. If you love Jesus, give him a big clap one more time. Hallelujah. Come on, make some noise. Love Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus says the zeal of God's house has consumed me. You know what's the meaning of the word zeal? I, I went to check in the dictionary. Zeal means intense passion. Intense passion. Whoo, hallelujah. Passion to win the loss. Passion to build the church. That's the passion Paul is talking about because that's how he lived his life. In, in being zealous for Jesus. Zeal means intense heat. It means eager endeavor. It means eager persistence, enthusiastic persistence. So you, I, I love what the, the brother was saying earlier. You know, he, he had self-growth 20 over people. He lost a lot didn't have a lot of guys, he started praying, and all of a sudden, all the guys came in, and he was persistent, he kept on praying, and boom, all of a sudden, you know, I, all the people he lost, God brought even more. And, and that's what it is, enthusiastic persistence. You're gonna pray, you're gonna worship, you're gonna cry out to God, you are eager to serve Him. When you come to church, you're eager to be right in the front to worship Him. You lift your hands as high as you can because you're eager to let Him know that you love Him with all your heart, all your strength. You dance as high as you can. You jump as high as you can. You sing as loud as you can. You pray as long as you can. Why? There's eager enthusiasm. There's eager endeavor and enthusiastic persistence. So what is consecration? We want to live pure before God. We want to be zealous in serving Him. And the Bible gives us this guarantee. If we consecrate ourselves tomorrow, that means in a very short time, He is going to work wonders among us. And don't ever think, but I just have a youth cell group. Can you imagine if you have a friend who is blind and he or she would come to your cell group and all the cell group members pray for that person. Boom, blind eyes open. I can guarantee you, words will went out everywhere, will go out everywhere, and next week, everybody in your neighborhood will flock at your cell group. Instantly, you're gonna have a church. Can you imagine? Jesus says, you're gonna heal the sick. You're gonna open blind eyes. You're gonna raise the dead. Somebody is dying. In the hospital, you go to a visitation. When you're visiting, boom, the person died. You lay hands, came back to life. I can guarantee you, what's going to spread throughout the entire world, 
Next week, every relative that belonged to the dead man that came back to life, they'll want to become Christian. If we consecrate ourselves today, if tonight we consecrate ourselves, tomorrow God is going to do wonders among us. That's a guarantee. Oh, come on, you want to clap? Let's give God a big clap. There is no power without consecration. Last night, I told you about A. Allen. And for those of you that came last night, just bear with me because a greater crowd is here, a congregation is here tonight, and, and this is important. And God, A. Allen, God's miracle man. And my connection, my little link to him was because I'm a personal friend of his prodigy, Al W. Shambach. 20 years ago, when our church was smaller, uh, elderly R.W. Shambach came and encouraged us and became a friend. Now, Shambach would tell me stories about A. Allen. He came from a very troubled home, raised in total poverty, parents, stepfather, they were all alcoholics, two brothers, four sisters, all alcoholic. Before he was uh, even enrolled in school, when he was six or seven, he was already a smoker. Can you imagine you got a little brother, six or seven, and he was already smoking? And it was the mother who taught him how to smoke. The mother lit the cigarette, gave it, asked him to smoke. But that's okay. That's okay. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the call. 21 years old, he was a nervous wreck. His life was on a crash because he's going to have a collapse. He was already a severe alcoholic, a chain smoker. But once A.A. Allen found Jesus Christ, now he has to make a decision. Is he going to continue being an alcoholic and, and a Christian? Is he going to continue living in a worldly lifestyle? Or is he going to give his heart, his soul, his body, everything 100% to God? He said, Lord, I want to serve you. I want to serve you. So he started serving, started serving. One day, he was in a meeting, organized. In those days, they were meeting in tents. And this was the biggest tent in the world at that time. And the preacher was a man called Roberts. A. Allen was there. He saw the power of God, blind eyes open, lame begin to walk, deaf and, and mute begin to speak and hear. And those that came in stretches were healed. He began to become very dissatisfied. He said, God, God, I need your power. It's not enough just to be a good Christian. I want to shake heaven and hell. With the power of God, I want to change my generation. God, give me this power. And the Lord spoke to him, are you willing to pay the price of consecration? Do you really want it? He said, God, I really want it. I really want it. So he went back home. And he went to his prayer closet. And he took the keys and he gave it to the wife. He said, I'm going to kneel down and pray and seek God. I'm going to come to the throne of grace and shake on Jesus' feet. And until I have an encounter and the power of God, I am not coming out. So here's the key. You lock the door and don't let me come out. And when I'm ready and have an encounter, I will pound the door and then you open for me. The wife thought, yeah, right. In one hour, you're going to pound the door. Well, he stayed there. And one hour passed, two hours, three hours, an entire day. The wife is now getting worried. But right there inside, A. Allen had a mighty, mighty encounter. 
He, in fact, in his own words, he said, the Lord Jesus Christ came to him like a whirlwind and the entire prayer closet lit up with glory. And Jesus spoke to him and gave him a list of things that stood between him and the power of God. And Jesus said, if you live your life by these priorities, kingdom priorities, the power of God will flow through you like no one else in your generation. Let me give you a, just a little bit, some example of what the Lord said to him. He said, you must be blameless like God himself. You must measure yourself to Jesus alone. Right? The Lord spoke to him. He must deny his fleshly desires with fasting. And for a recovering alcoholic, it was very hard for him to fast. So he got to determine, I want this bad enough. I'm really going to fast for it. That without God, he could do nothing. That he must not continue in shallow, pointless discussions. So all his life, he refused to gossip. If he wants the power of God, that's what Jesus said to him. If you want my power, you will never get into useless gossiping. And then the last two were the most difficult for him because as a former alcoholic, as a chain smoker, as a man from a very rough background, he got a, he got a lot of weaknesses in his life. He, you know, even as a Christian, he was struggling with many fleshly desires. He said, the Lord said to him, he must give his body wholly to God forever. He must believe all of God's promises, no matter how impossible the situation is. A. Allen decided, Jesus, I will consecrate my life. Actually, the whole list, there are 13 things, but we have no time tonight. He said, Jesus, I consecrate my life. The calling is your part. Consecration is my part. The power of God hit him. He banged the door. He's ready to come out. The wife opened the door, and in her own words, her wife's name was Lexi. Lexi saw A. Allen. He said, the glory of God shone on his face, just like Moses' face lit up in the wilderness. From that day, he became known as God's miracle man. I told the people last night, for those of you who didn't come, and I remember years ago, I heard my first mentor, Paul Tan, talking about this. And it is true. I went to research. It is true. It's documented. One woman, 200 kilograms, came into this meeting in the presence of thousands of people in front of television camera, lost 100 kilos. <laughs> it's amazing, right? One man, you know, uh, uh, driving in, in, in uh, uh, before that, before the driving part, one pastor, he had alligator scales on his hands. It's called alligator skin disease. And he's a pastor, and he had this disease for 50 years. And in, in a service that A. Allen conducted, he had baby smooth skin in an instant. And you know what? A. Allen didn't even pray for him. How did he receive his healing? He was seated on the stage behind A. Allen, and the power of God hit him. One man... And this is the driving story. He just had a surgery done. He had lost his right lung. He got three ribs removed. He lost a chest bone. And he had a left toe, a, a toe on the left leg that was 
that, that was chopped off because of a disease. It was amputated. He has a missing toe. He was driving in the car, and A. Allen was preaching on radio. Just by listening to his preaching, in the car, as he was driving, his toe grew back and was complete with toenails. He was so shocked. He went to see the doctor. The doctor did a full x-ray and found the right lung is there right now. The three rib, uh, missing ribs were replaced. The chest bone, everything was in place. God did a complete miracle. Oh, come on, you want to clap? Let's give God a big clap. Listen, young people. Listen, members of City Harvest Church. God gives power to the consecrated. Tonight, right here, right now, in this place, you can decide, I'm going to have the power of God. I told you, my first mentor, Brother Paul Tan, used to tell me stories of John Sung, China's greatest evangelist, because his mother, Paul Tan's mom, used to work for him in China. And and last night, I, I, I shared how John Song, in five years, brilliant, like all these guys over here, God used the smart, he used those in no, A.L. had no formal education, but John Song was brilliant. In five years, his very poor pastor dad, his dad was a pastor, sent him to U.S. because he didn't want him to be a pastor like him, so poor. So he saved all the money, borrowed from the relatives, sent him to U.S. In five years, a young John Sung finished his B.Sc., Bachelor of Science, Master of Science, Ph.D. in chemistry and in physics in five years. And then he enrolled in Columbia University to do his seminary training. But when he was in seminary, he had a nervous breakdown. In those days, they locked people who are considered mad in a mental asylum. He was locked up. And all they gave him was a Bible and a pen. In 193 days, John Sung read the Bible from cover to cover 40 times. Look, how old was he at that time? 25 years old. Emerged age. So he read the Bible 40 times. He came out after about two years went back to, to China, he was only 26 years old. When he reached the harbor of Shanghai, he took all the awards he had won in the US, all the diplomas, the certificate, tore it up and threw it into the sea. But he kept the PhD cert because he wanted to give it to his dad. But from that day, he determined he's going to be a soul winner and lead people to Jesus Christ. What did he do? He consecrates his life. Every morning, he wakes up and prays for three hours. And in fact, there'll be days where he will lock himself in his prayer closet to pray, and people won't see him. And he will be there praying, crying out to God. And some of his disciples, they would stealthily go and peek behind the curtain to see what he's doing. And they were surprised. They were shocked. He's talking to Jesus, of course they couldn't see Jesus, as if he was there. He's having an intimate conversation. I can imagine those people say, yeah, sure, right, this guy's from the mental asylum. <laughs> He's talking for hours. 
but the power of God went everywhere. He went in 15 years throughout the whole of China, including Southeast Asia, and hundreds of thousands of people came to Jesus Christ, and many churches in Singapore were impacted and started by Him in the 1930s. Come on, give God a big hand. Oh, you want to clap? Let's give the Lord a big clap. God gives power to the consecrated. One last story and, and we end. You consider the thousands and thousands of miracles of Catherine Kuhlman. You know, I told the people last night, one man that had a pacemaker implanted in his, in his, next to his heart, eight months earlier, came into her service, a pacemaker because the heart was failing. Catherine Kuhlman prayed for him. He went back home, he took out his shirt, to, to get ready to change his pajamas. To his surprise, the surgery scar was not there. He went to see the doctor. Doctor, doctor, I came from a Catherine Kuhlman's meeting. She prayed for me and the scar disappeared. The doctor said, we better have an x-ray. They did an x-ray. The pacemaker implanted inside is no longer there. In its place was a perfect heart, totally healed by the power of God. Come on, give the Lord a big clap. Hallelujah. Hundreds of tumors dissolved. Cancer totally healed all throughout her ministry. And you know, people receive healing and transformation by simply by sitting in the congregation even before the first song was sung or any sermon was preached. In, in other words, simply by coming to the service early, just waiting for the service to start, they were healed. Catherine Kuhlman is especially special because Canon Wong, my pastor, and this Canon James Wong and Sister Esther, will you please give them a big clap? They are here today for our image weekend. Amen. 1973, 1974, Canon Wong and Bishop Chu Bonit went to Catherine Kuhlman's meeting. Bishop Chu told me, she said, I went for the service every time she called me and because she knew I'm a bishop from Asia. She called me. The moment I stood up, boom, I came under the power. He said every time she would just come, shook my hands, boom, I fell under the power. He said for one, two weeks, it was like that. And she came, he came back to, to Singapore. Every church he spoke in, the moment he mentioned the Holy Spirit, people started speaking in tongues. It went all throughout Singapore, all throughout Malaysia. And that's how the charismatic renewal started here. Because of Canon Wong and Bishop Chu, who attended a Miss Kuhlman's meeting. Miss Kuhlman, how consecrated was she? She lived a life of constant prayer, constantly praying. All day long, this is what people say about him. She's in constant communion with God. You'll be talking to her. I mean, she's very cool. She's like a big-time celebrity, right? She's not flaky at all. And, and you'll be talking to her, talking to her, and suddenly she'll go, oh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm -hmm. sorry, you got to excuse me. And she'll leave the room, and she'll have a conversation with the Holy Spirit, and then she'll come back. This is what all Robert said. Let, let me read to you what all Robert said. It was like they were talking back and forth to each other and you couldn't tell when Catherine started and the Holy Spirit left off. It was a oneness. 
Catherine Kuhlman totally surrendered her life to the Holy Spirit. Every service before the start of it, she's not fooling around. She's not joycelling and checking the texting one another. And she's praying. She's pacing the corridor up and down. You know, head up, head down, hands lifted up, hands behind her back, praying, praying. And people always hear her saying, Gentle Jesus, please do not take the Holy Spirit away from me. And she will be in tears. And people will be wondering, what do you mean? The Holy Spirit is taken away from you. But Catherine Kuhlman, you know her life. I, I shared last night, she had many challenges. Jesus, gentle Jesus, please do not take away the Holy Spirit, your precious Spirit from me. Ms. Kuhlman say, before every service, she will die a thousand deaths. Before every service, I die a thousand deaths. That's why God used her, the leading healing evangelist of the charismatic renewal. And God gave it to a woman. And you know what she said? I'm not God's first choice. You know, she had a moral failure. She broke, off, uh, broke up a marriage. You know, she committed adultery. She said, I'm not God's first choice. But no man in my generation was willing to pay the price. And God chose a broken woman like me. Oh, City Harvest Church, listen to the, hear, to the voice of the Lord tonight, to the preaching of the word. God gives power to the consecrated. I want singers and musicians to come up. When I was 16, I was attending Canon Wong's church, and Canon will remember at Marine Parade, and we had 16 members. Canon was so busy church planting, I was one of his youths. And back then, we loved Canon so much, and, and every opportunity to hear Canon preach was a privilege because Canon was so busy planting churches. But every Sunday, we have nothing like this. We have no sound system. We have no multimedia. I'll be there, sitting on the second row, lifting up my hands as high as I could, singing at the top of my lungs, Jesus, I want more of you. Jesus, I want more of you. And then God told me four things one day when I pray. This is my little consecration pact I have with Jesus. Jesus said this to me. He said, Kong, if you can set a kingdom priority, these four things, you will always have revival in your life. Number one, if you will always pray, and I always pray on my knees. And you see that some, sometimes early in the morning when I'm leading prayer, I got to have a chair. I'm always praying on my knees. It's my commitment with the Lord. I don't know how to pray any other way. I guess until one day my knee gave way, I always pray on my knees. Number two, I will fast. And I love fasting. Thank God for a special grace. It's a grace from God. Dr. Cho says, Kong, you're gifted in area of fasting. Number three, giving. Simple, right? Because I was, I was a kid. I was 16 years old. Thank God he didn't tell me some big theological things that's too hard for me to grasp. He said, you pray. 
He said, you fast. And he said, you give. And so I learned, I learned. I have a good example in Canon who is a giver. Every time Canon got excited, he would just stand up, let's collect an offering. And I love that. I love that. And I saw that. You know, giving is not just meeting a need. I gave even when the church has no need. Even when there was no teaching about tithing, I was tithing every month faithfully. My, my little allowance I have, I give a tenth to the church that I was a part in. When I was in the army, I only $135 every month. I give $13.50 as tithe unto the Lord. Nobody taught me. I mean, I, I write in the Bible. It's tithing. That settles it. God says it. That settles it. I will give. And then I give to our mission program. I give to the building fund. I gave. And even when there's no need, I gave. God said this to me. If you were to always give, and then the fourth thing, if you were to live your life as a sacrifice in everything you do, and I knew very specifically what Jesus meant. That means everything I do for God must cost me something. So whether it's a praise, I will lift my hands until, I'm, I'm, I guess maybe I'm too radical. I lift my hands until my hands cannot be lifted up anymore. I worship until I have no more voice. It got to be a sacrifice. When it comes to speaking in tongues, I spoke in tongues like crazy. I speak in tongues until even when we started church, some pastors got worried to say, Kong, you shouldn't speak in tongues so much. I say, it's too late. <laughs> I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. When it comes to missions, I will choose to go to the toughest place. Slept on the, uh, on the floor, drank from well water, bathed in the river. Been there, done that. Because to me, everything must be a sacrifice. And Jesus said this, Kong, if you consecrate yourself those four things, and as a young man, if I will pray, fast, give, and sacrifice. He said, the spirit of revival always will flow out of you. Always it will flow out of you. God is not looking for golden vessels. God is not looking for silver vessels. All He's looking for are you the vessels. Tonight, I just want to end with this verse. 2 Corinthians 6. And mind you, this is from the apostle who taught us what grace is. We then, as workers together with Him, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Don't receive the goodness of God in vain. In, in fact, the goodness of God must lead us to repentance. We cannot live pure. And the context of this, Paul was writing to the young people. You can go home and read 2 Corinthians 6. He was writing to the young people. He's saying, look, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Don't be unequally yoked. Don't receive the grace of God in vain. City Harvest, God loves us. God doesn't condemn us. 
but His goodness must lead us to live a life totally sold out for Him. How many of you want to live a consecrated life and be a carrier of His power and His miracles and His revival? Just wave your hands. Let's just give God a big clap tonight. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, go ahead and give Him praise. Give Him praise, give Him praise. Shall we all stand on our feet right now? Let's just pray, let's just pray. Let's be fervent right now in the presence of God. Something is happening. This electricity in the air right now. The power of God is here right now. God is calling. God is searching. His eyes are running to and fro throughout this entire arena looking for one man, one woman, one boy, one girl who is willing to respond to Him. If you can use anything, anything, Lord, you can use me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Take my hands, Lord, and my feet. 
can use me. Tonight, I want eyes to close and haste about. And I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. But there are a few things that I want to do because, friends, you're standing on holy ground. Tonight, your life is going to change. You may think that you are here for a normal service, but let me tell you, God has a divine appointment with you tonight. While eyes are closed and haste about, how many of you never received Jesus before in your life? When I come to three, I want you to put up your hands. And by lifting up your hands, you're saying, Pastor Kong, can you please pray for me? Pastor, pray. I want to invite Jesus into my heart to be my Lord and my Savior. I know God is my Heavenly Father. Tonight, I put my faith in Jesus Christ. Those of you that have never received Jesus, the Bible says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and that the wages of sin is death. Maybe you're here tonight and you say, I'm not such a bad person. But let me ask you, are you proud? Are you selfish? Do you have a temper problem? Do you make lying a way of life? Maybe some of you men who are older, are you unfaithful to your wife? Ladies, do you struggle with bitterness and anger? And whether you're a big sinner, a small sinner, or a secret sinner, Jesus loves you and He wants to scrub your heart clean. Tonight, if you're a sinner, when I count to three, I want you to lift up your hands. I promise you, I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. Where you're standing, the greatest miracle is going to happen. Jesus Christ is going to come into your heart. Secondly, are you a backslider? You know, please don't take the grace of God in vain. God redeems us. He purifies us. But He wants us to live for Him. He wants us to decide today and He will never force us. Just like everything else in life, God will never force us. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He will never make you do anything against your own will. But tonight, you must make a decision. Jesus, I don't want to be a backslider. Jesus, tonight, I want to give you back my heart. And maybe some of you are so busy with work, with life, with family commitment, with so many other commitments, you have lost a relationship with God. Listen, God is not angry. He's not mad. He's just calling you to come home. Backsliders, will you come home? Sinners, will you come home? Tonight, while eyes are closed and heads are bowed, I'm not going to ask you to come forward, but I'm going to ask you to do one thing. When I count to three, every sinner, every backslider, I want you to lift up your hand as high as you can. And I don't want anybody to look. Only God's eyes are open and pastor's eyes are open. Where you're standing, the Holy Spirit is going to touch you right now. And your life will never be the same. Are you ready? Every sinner, every backslider, on the count of three, lift up your hands. And when I see your hand, I'm going to pray the miracle prayer. Whether you're in the front row or in the furthest part of the terraces, Jesus is closer to you than your very breath right now. He's going to transform your life. Are you ready? Eyes closed, heads bowed. On the count of three, every sinner, every backslider, lift up your hands. One, two, three. Lift up your hands right now all over this place. Lift up your hands straight up. I 
I see your hand, your hand, your hand, your hand, your hand, your hand. Straight up, all the way in the back. Straight up, straight up, straight up, straight up. Hands going up everywhere, 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 everywhere. Straight up so that God can see and pastor can see. You can put it down. In fact, I want to do just one more thing. When I count to three, I want you to lift up your hands once again and keep it straight up, high enough, because I'm not going to ask you to come down. But I want this to be a sign that Jesus, you are serious with God, and say, Jesus, come into my heart, all right? So when I count to three, then I'm going to lead you in a prayer. All those that want to receive Jesus and all those who are backsliders, on the count of three, one more time, I want you to lift up your hands. One, two, three. Lift up your hands right now. Okay, lift up. Don't put it down. I want people around. Just, if somebody is lifting up their hands, can you just put your hands on the shoulder right now? Because we're going to pray. We're going to pray. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. Somebody just put your hands around the shoulder. We're going to pray right now. I want everybody in this church, everyone say out loud together with me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus. Dear Lord Jesus. I come before you tonight. I come before you tonight. I bring all my sins. I bring all my sins. I bring all my weaknesses. I bring all my weaknesses. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Be my Lord and my Savior. Be my Lord and my Savior. Forgive me of all my sins. Forgive me of all my sins. From tonight. From tonight. I want to follow you. I want to follow you. I want to live for you. I want to live for you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't we just give God a big hand? Let's give the Lord a big clap. Let's give the Lord a big clap. Let's give the Lord a big hand tonight. Hallelujah. Take my hands, take my feet. to Jesus tonight. Can we just give them a big hand one more time? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hundreds, hundreds, hundreds of you give your hearts to Jesus tonight. And backsliders, welcome home. Come on, let's give them all a big hand. Hundreds of you tonight. Tonight, I really believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to you in some areas that you need to consecrate your life. Tonight, maybe you have a wrong relationship. You need 
put it on the altar. Maybe some of you here who are older, you're like Catherine Kuhlman. You're involved with a married person. You know that's not right. You need to put that on the altar. There's a price to pay to be consecrated for Jesus. And God is never going to shortchange you. He's not looking for perfect vessels. He's looking for the man, the woman, the boy, the girl who is willing to yield. Say, Jesus, not my way, but yours. Not my will, but yours be done. Tonight, how many of you in this room, God is speaking to you in the area of consecration? Very specifically, He's saying, my son, my daughter, my child, Surrender. Surrender to me. Surrender and I will use you. I will use you. These are the things standing in the way between you and my power. There's so much I want to pour into your life. So much I want to pour into your ministry, in your cell group, in, in whatever area you're serving. You're going to be a carrier of my revival. But will you surrender? Will you let my will be done in your life? Will you make me the first? Will you let Jesus be the most important person in your life? God is speaking very, very specifically and directly to you to consecrate. Maybe some of you, God is speaking to you to go into full-time ministry. Maybe some of you, God is speaking to you, go Bible school. Maybe some of you, God is speaking to you to be a missionary. And, and you're struggling, you're struggling. But friends, if you obey thousands, maybe millions, their lives will never be the same again. If you don't, then you're going to shortchange so many people of the blessing you could bring. But God will never force you. He loves you. He respects you. He has the best life for you, but you must be willing. Say, Lord, I don't have much, but I give you all of me in exchange for all of you. Tonight, I'm speaking to those, the Holy Spirit, while I'm preaching, the Holy Spirit is specifically speaking to you in the area of consecration and surrender. If that's you, when I count to three, can you just lift up your hands? Only you know that you know, that you know. So this is not like, oh, I just want to serve the Lord. But you know, you know that you know that you know. The Holy Spirit is asking you to pay the price. He's asking you to surrender certain areas. Maybe it's a hobby. Maybe it's, a, it's an object. Maybe it's a person. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe. But God is speaking to you tonight. And you say, Lord, that's me. If that's you on the count of three, I want you to lift up your hands. One, two, three. Lift up your hands all over this place. All over this place. All over this place. Tonight, can you do some more thing? Son, how should we do it? I just feel like we need to pray. Tonight, when we sing this song once again, church, it's the most 10 more minutes. I know the service is long. If you just stay with me for 10 more minutes, and then we can end this service in a victorious way. All those that put up their hands, I want you very, quickly only those that put up their hands 
I want you to come down to the front right now. And, and all the young people can just take one, two steps back so that all these people can come tonight. We give all these people a big clap as they come right now. Just come, 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 come to the front. Take my hands, take my feet, touch my heart. Hallelujah. Take my hands, Lord, and my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, speak through me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. All the songs of Elijah's If you can use I give you all of me. I give you all of me. In exchange for all of you. In exchange of all of you. I want to love you from today. I want to love you from today. With all my heart. With all my heart. With all my soul. With all my soul. With all my mind. With all my mind. With all my strength. With all my strength. With every fiber of my being. With every fiber of my being. I surrender my body. I surrender my body as a living sacrifice as a living sacrifice as a carrier of your power as a carrier of your power from this day on from this day on forever and ever forever and ever I am yours I'm yours talking tongues right now all over this room
this place. Lord, you are surrendering their lives. God, use them. Use them in a powerful way. Everybody praise and dance. She got a fire from heaven. Touch them, touch them, touch them. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. She got a
Just a little bit more, church. We're about done tonight. We're about done tonight. Just love him. Just love him. The presence is here. The anointing is here. Just flow just a little bit more. Let it flow. Let it flow. Father, we thank you tonight. Lord, we will not forget tonight our commitments, pleasures that we have made to you. Vows we have made tonight, we will love you, we will serve you. Lord, we make a choice tonight. We can consecrate our lives wholly, fully unto you, O Lord. Not our will, but yours be done. Can you just send your love to Him? Just lift your hands one last time. Just lift up both hands. Just send your love to Jesus. Jesus, we live for you. So receive all our love, receive all our adoration, receive all our consecration tonight, Father. In Jesus' name, and everybody say, Amen. Let's just give God a big clap tonight. Give Him praise tonight. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. What can I say? I, I, I just, I want to thank all of you for staying back. I know it's so long. It's almost a three-hour service. But you stayed because you love the presence of God. So why don't we just give each other a big hand for staying. You're too amazing. Too amazing. Too amazing. Just give your neighbors a big clap. Pastor, salute you. Pastor, appreciate your love for Jesus. Your love for Jesus. Your love for Jesus. Are you blessed by this week's podcast? Tell us at connect at chc.org.sg.